What is up, friends and family? We've got another episode here of Hype is My Superpower. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Storman, in Brooklyn, New York, and joining me via the miracles of modern technology is my good buddy, Will Freeland, in Santa Barbara, California. Will, how's it going? Good, man. It's a busy week. I'm trying to figure out how to get some of my, like, side gig things that I want to do with my life off the ground and, Uh like kick kick my uh kick my own butt and like getting organized and stuff because nice. organization is not my strong point so same <laughs> <laughs> so that's good and whenever i fail i just go and run away into some comics <laughs> <laughs> yeah my my side hustle my my uh distraction is comics making comics so it's uh tough to run away from that to other comics but <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you just, it's you're doing you're doing study, you're doing field study, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all That's research. Exactly what it is. Exactly. Reading an obsessive amount of specifically 1997 comics with with no breadth or or you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all research. Sure. Um, anything you want to tease? Anything you want to plug at this time, or you want to leave it a mystery for now? During the Christmas season, I do a gift wrapping service. Mm-hmm. Um, for the last two years, I've done it for free, just for fun, because I I have way too much wrapping paper, and I don't <laughs> have enough money to buy enough presents to use all my wrapping paper. So I wrap other people's presents. <laughs> so, um, so it did so well last year that I want to make it an actual thing. Um, I'm going with Will the Dapper Rapper. <laughs> uh, for it and you uh, uh you always going to be dressed up while you're at presents yeah i'm gonna at least wear a collar and like a bow tie and suspenders nice. or something nice nice, uh, nice. <laughs> and um and so i want to get that off the ground i want to get it ready for mother's day oh um, cool i went and bought uh six new rolls that are a little more mother's day themed and so i want to get this ready by next weekend so i could be like hey mother's day is in three weeks if you got your mother a present and you want it wrapped that's awesome see me cool i uh if timing works out i may uh well my mom's listening so i can't (laughs) i can't i can't promise a present now and then have there be no suspense so who knows (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who knows? Total mystery. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. We never. It, it could. It could. It could be. It could. Who knows? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, I don't know anything. <laughs> Shout out to my mom though. Uh, Hi, mom. Yeah. I. I've got some. Uh, some good uh, news on making your hobby into a thing. Front. I. I finally started writing again. I. Have gotten absolutely nothing written in the past year, and basically it just. You know, <laughs> tough year for a lot of things, but it was especially hard to try and focus on comics and creative work when there's just so much uncertainty and, and distraction and, and, you know, general freak out going on in life, in the world. So it's been really nice to, to, to get back to that. I love writing. I hate writing. It's the best. It's the worst. Uh, <laughs> but sometimes you you get the groove and uh yeah big thanks to my editor greg for for kind of keeping keeping my feet on the fire and uh pushing me along and and hopefully uh hopefully i'll have something to show for it real soon so awesome yeah that's exciting 
Yeah. I was on Superhero Ethics podcast again. That's right. Um, they uh, they they can't. They want me to be on there for basically the the rest of the Falcon Winter Soldier season. Awesome. Um, so I'll be there on there next week as well for the season finale. Episode five was awesome. It was a, a step back in tone towards the first two episodes that the okay. second two didn't have. Yeah. Um, so whoever's listening, if you haven't watched Falcon Winter Soldier, I suggest it. And then on top of that, I highly suggest going and checking out Superhero Ethics. But all of their episodes talk about the ethics behind different aspects in superhero mm-hmm. um, media. So yeah, they talk about like Batman Beyond. Yeah. Talk yeah. about Batman Beyond. They talk about the MCU. They talk about um, other DC properties that I try not to pay attention to. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they'll dive deep. They'll find a subject. They'll find, you know, uh, somebody who knows something about that subject too. And, and they'll really go deep on something. Like I listened to their podcast on uh, X-Men and Queer Identity. And, yeah. and that was really cool. Um, just having having a real sort of full discussion about a particular, you know, ethical aspect within the genre. Yeah, it's really interesting. It's a really interesting pod. I really like them um, mainly because you know, so uh, the co- the type of comic book reader I am, the stories I read are already six months old because I only yeah. read the TPs. Right. Right. Um, and so I go out of my way to try to avoid spoilers. And that right, includes, you're not trying to be current. Yeah, that includes not listening to podcasts that talk about current comics. Right. <laughs> uh, and so finding them, they're talking about comic book subjects, but in, a, in ways that have nothing to do with spoiler territory. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice to find other nerds that like to talk about comics. Sure. And, <laughs> and I, 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 like, I like that... Uh, just to get meta for a second here, I like that approach for our pod too. I like mm-hmm. that we're we're not critics in a way, you know, we're not because when you're talking about current comics, then you, basically you're talking about sales, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're talking because because comics is such a contingent uh, publishing model, week to week, month to month, the sales for one issue matter for the the continuation beyond, you know, the current arc or the current whatever. And so I don't like that. <laughs> I don't want to have that kind of like proximity to the, to mm. the business of it. You know, it just, it makes me feel weird. It would make me feel weird and wrong and dirty. And I just want to, <laughs> I mean, we, we kind of approach it as friends of each other and as fans of the soap opera of it. And, you right. know, we're just kind of filling each other in and, uh, if I think the ideal audience for us is somebody else who's kind of, you know, not reading the comics, but is interested in the soap opera. And so, yeah. you know, it, we're interested in the characters, not in the like, in the like sales. <laughs> right. And yeah. we, yeah, that said, like, I've always said my, you know, I'm, I'm interested in reading good comic stories first in the soap opera second, but I've been invested in the soap opera so long that <laughs> it's enough to, to keep me going a lot of the time. Yeah. Although sometimes it tests my patience. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Anyway, that's enough of a tangent. Well, what'd you read this week? Let's uh, let's talk comics. What did I read? Let's talk comics, man. Okay, so I read three TPs this week. It's a little light for me. I had planned to read more. I plan. I'm trying. 
<laughs> my best case is I read like five <laughs> TPs a week. Yeah. Um, Cause I kind of, what I want to do is I want to spend each lunch at work reading mm. a TP. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my lunches were weird this week. And so I didn't get to read anything. Lunches are weird all the time when you're working, working from, from home. home. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. Like I'm trying to find time for myself to just break myself off from work, make sure I take a lunch and now that I have this podcast where I talk about comics, I have a more legitimate reason other than, you know, mental health. <laughs> other than like actually take comics. time for myself. <laughs> so, like, I have an excuse that I, I'm doing this for work, damn it. So, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. So I, anyway, point is I read three books. I read uh, Captain Marvel Volume 3, The Last Avenger, Miss um, Marvel Volume 2, Storm Ranger, and Daredevil Volume 3, Through Hell. Sweet. Um, so, Captain Marvel Volume Three is written by uh, Thompson. I it only I only know that because it has his last name on the cover. It's Kelly Thompson. It could Kelly be Thompson. it could be a girl. I don't actually know. Um, I'm not good at, at naming teams, and that's and then and, and uh, I leave that up to you. But well, I mean, this uh, is part this is part of not being a critic, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So so. This is so it was so this was interesting. Um, it starts so it's got Captain Marvel in this like dark Kree suit, yeah, um, and oh. a mask, and you're like, what's going on? It's Last Avenger, and it has sure. her standing over all these. So I thought this was going to be like an alternate reality or time travel type ridiculousness of like okay. Captain Marvel's legacy in the future and, okay. and her new Kree heritage, but it wasn't. So <laughs> that was exciting. Um, basically she's going around and she's taking out each of the current Avengers one by one Thor, Iron Man, She-Hulk, Black Panther, Cap. Um, Why? That's a great question, right? So you're like, what's going oh, on? Oh, so it's, it's, it's a, it's okay. Yeah. We don't know what's happening. Also, also, also like if you see this person attacking you, obviously that's Carol, <laughs> but yeah. for whatever reason, Got including the, got the mohawk, got the got the it's sash, got the mohawk, got... it's got the sash. It's it's literally just a a black skinned version of her actual suit, right? And everyone she comes across, Tony, she attacks Tony, she attacks Thor individually, and all of them are like, "Who are you?" Yeah, okay, but like, bro. Anyway, she reveals herself, and and Thor's just like, "What the hell's happening? What are you doing?" And um. Uh, she's like, you know, I have to take you out. I'm sorry, there's no other way. Blah blah blah. She makes Mjolnir disappear, and you're like, what? What happened? And then she evens the playing field, and she takes him out. And then she shows up to whoever she's reporting to with the head of Thor. What? And you're like, um, excuse me. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. And so that's the first issue, and you're like, oh my goodness. So um, she takes out uh, Tony, and while she's fighting Tony, it shows what's actually happening and in a force and secret wars we again introduced to this little character named singularity and um she is a floating living little like universe person Mm. okay uh and turns out she was sending uh she sent mjolnir and then thor and now tony into singularity she and so like it's she's like Inside Singularity is cut off from the rest of the universe. Sure. Um, and so, oh, she's not killing the Avengers. What's going on? Um, 
And then you're like, wait a second, but what the heck was going on with, with um, the Thor head? With the Thor head and <laughs> Thor in head a forehead. <laughs> Thor head forehead. So um, the Shield Project Gemini, a while ago, they had all these cloning bats and they were cloning the Avengers to do, to have their own sort of like Dark Avengers squad kind of oh. thing. Yeah. Um, and so Carol kidnapped each individual Avenger and then she's going to Project Gemini that's since been defunded and black opted of course and is not currently running anymore but but the, the vats are still there so she's going and taking the husk of the cloned thor removed <laughs> the head and just yeah, i'll just to take this, snip, this snip, person. Snip. exactly yeah. um and then so and then she does that with tony and then uh the next person she does this to is black panther and then and the person that she's bringing to is like, why are you bringing me all these people naked? What's up with that? Um, because like, <laughs> she, like it's just, and and Carol has an answer. She's just like, I'm bringing you their bodies. I'm not bringing you their tech. Like whatever whatever you're doing, like I'm doing this against my will. Because you also find out an issue too that there's nine Cree refugee sites because okay. Hala has blown up once again, again. <laughs> um, <laughs> and there are all these Cree refugees on earth and the baddie blew one of them up and Carol's sure. like, what the heck is happening? And then he puts this like Cree symbiote thing on her that is contr- that he has complete control over. And that's why she has a dark suit. And he's like, as long as you're wearing the suit, I control you. You have to do what I say. Otherwise I'm going to blow up the rest of these, uh, refugees uh rest of these sites and she's like okay so so now she knows the plot and she finds out the bad guy is some guy that i don't remember and is very forgettable but he's also merged with the kree supreme intelligence that guy just loves to screw things up yeah so By guy, supreme, i mean you know that giant floating green all, head yeah, the, <laughs> yeah so the supreme intelligence green. for those who haven't watched the captain marvel movie um supreme intelligence is the is a living computer that is the culminated intelligence of all of the kree history and it is also the reigning like king of hala where the kree are from and so like Think of it as um, the president of the uh, of Hala and it has, of the it's entire Kree Empire yeah. of the entire Kree Empire, and it's very uh, close minded. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so Kree su- Supreme Intelligence, and then this like we're thinking at this point we're thinking like sound based villain person. Anyway, okay. so. And so you find this out. And so and then she goes to try to take out T'Challa. And and like, so T'Challa got the drop on her. He was like, and he doesn't know who she is. He's like, yeah. you think you could take out Thor and Iron Man and I wouldn't notice. And so he's like ready. And so she throws him into a power line. And as soon as she's about to take T'Challa and do the same thing, She-Hulk comes up. And okay, so She-Hulk, geez. Okay, so in Civil War Two. Okay. She Hulk. Yeah. She Hulk got hit by War Machine, one of War Machine's strongest missiles. 
Okay. Um, she got put in a coma for a little bit. And ever since she woke up from her coma, she's been a little more savage and like something kind of broken her. And so she's not the like skinny, green, jolly. Um, yeah. Uh, green She-Hulk that we've known for like ever. She's now uh, limited, uh, limited vocabulary, big and beefy, okay. very much as close to a female version of Hulk that you would sure. expect. Yeah, yeah. She's like... I'm going to take you down now because you hurt all my friends. Carol removes her mask and which stops Jen. She's like, wait, Carol. And then she does something that actually I've never seen before. So she absorbs the energy, the electricity in Jen's brain, leaving her nothing because Carol has the ability to absorb energy and she redirects it. And that, and when she absorbs too much energy, that's when she goes into binary state. Right she's theorized that she could just take the energy out of someone's brain waves brain and she's never actually done it because that could kill someone so she does it on she hulk and that was actually pretty cool i totally forgot about that um (laughs) but anyway uh my favorite part is after she takes t'challa and she hulk to singularity she goes to take out cap and this is like this is the one she wants she was looking forward to the least because it's steve and 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 steve has a certain weight <laughs> um, that <laughs> yeah. everyone I think understands. And he basically, he says, thought I might be next. You've been taking out everyone in the last 24 hours. What's going on, Carol? And she says, I can't tell you. I'm sorry. And he said, and so he just checks. He's like, it's you. It's really you. She's like, it is. Is this way it has to be? Yes. Is it? And you're certain there's no other way. If there is, I haven't found it. He says, okay. And he yields. Oh. And he's like, oh. all right. And she's like, wait what he's like i trust you if this is the only way this can happen then this is the only way there's no point in getting to a fight about it it's awesome. like like <laughs> i love that <laughs> right it's, so cool. it's such a powerful scene and he's like there's 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 no point um i'm gonna trust your play and i hope it helps and like she starts she kind of breaks down and she's like I have to punch you now. <laughs> and, he's like, <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I thought as much. So she punches and knocks him out, takes him to Singularity. <sighs> and so while she's doing all this inside Singularity, they're coming up with a plan and they theorize. And since sh- her theory is that the guy is sound based, um, okay. his powers, his control over her in her, in her suit seems to be sound based. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Tony rigs up parts of his suit to basically do a one-time sonic blast. Uh, so she does it. Uh, she gets the suit removed. She attacks him. She uh, uses the shield, takes him out. And then the plan basically seemed like he wanted to take the DNA from all of the Avengers and make a new body for the Supreme intelligence. Oh, Um, that's kind of where this was going. And in the scuffle, uh, she gets hit with the goo that has all their DNA. Oh, so she gets super big and kind of monstery. But on top of that, she gets Thor's DNA, which apparently makes her worthy of Mjolnir. Oh, and so she takes Mjolnir and she takes the shield and she um, wins the day, basically. Sweet. Good times here and there. She says thanks to Singularity. She um, she takes uh, 
the baddie to the raft. And then they have a wrap up issue um, playing poker with Hazmat, Spectrum, Spider-Woman, Wolverine, and Miss Marvel. Sweet. And it's just general kickback good times. Nice. Um, that's, that's, that's cool. Yeah. So there was a couple good scenes, but overall, like nothing to really write home about. It introduced the story, ended the story. No, like, but the bad guy got away or she right. discovered a new power or anything like that. There's, there's nothing. It's very contained. Right. So very self-contained. Something that I would enjoy more, <laughs> more of my right. alley than yours. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a um, story with the beginning, middle and end. That Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so Miss Marvel, uh, Storm Ranger, this is volume two of Saladin Ahmed's run. Okay. Overall, I love Miss Marvel and her story because like I've said in other episodes, like she's all about like the spirit or the heart of being a superhero. What it means to like be a superhero for your local community so on and so forth sure um she she also before she became before she got her powers you know she was a superhero fangirl and like so like she always had the idealized version of what a superhero meant she got her she gets her powers and then she gets to live firsthand the pluses and minuses of being a superhero yeah personally like your your how your personal relationships uh get affected how your family relationships get affected trying to go to high school at the same time as being a superhero weighing the options. Well. Yeah. And she's, she, it, it's interesting because she is like, she is a superhero that comes up in a world where there are already other superheroes. She's yeah. not like, you know, Peter Parker, when he first gets superpowers is like, I have responsibility to do good. What does that mean? I have to go discover and find this out for myself. And I'm mm-hmm. really like blazing my own trail. She is like fully influenced by superhero tropes. And like (laughs) all of the things that go into it, like she is responding and reacting to that. It's very postmodern in that sense. Yeah. And so it's really nice because she, at this point in her superheroing career, she still comes up against those same kind of decisions, but she, to say that it's, I mean, for some of the situations she comes across to say that the right decision is to go be a superhero is not the right, is not, it's heartless to say. But um, she has resigned herself to knowing that saving the many comes before saving the personal one or two. Sure. And so uh, this story spirals out, uh, parts of it spiral out of the first volume, where in the first volume, she gets a new suit. It is a Cree nanotech suit that's from ancient Cree times. Okay. she, she shows up on this planet called uh, Safa and there are these things called the beast legions that are prophesized to come back and destroy the planet. And everyone on the planet is like, oh my gosh, you're the destined one. You're the, you're the prophesized one. You're the prophesized one. She's like, what? And turns out that there in ancient times, there was this Kree uh, frontier warriors from the like frontier brigade. It's like just, established i think this is the first time we ever come across it but um in ancient safa times a kree legion frontiersman saved the planet from the first beast legions and their nanotech suit had the lightning symbol on it 
And okay. so all of the ancient paintings have a hero with a lightning bolt on their chest. Oh. And so when Miss Marvel shows up, they're like, oh my gosh, the prophesized one. Yay. Yeah. So anyway, uh, she comes across the, the suit. They left the suit there and she comes across it and it basically acts as like, kind of like when Tony had the bleeding edge suit. It yeah. just kind of responds to thought. It can fold itself up into a little into like a little bag for her when she's not when she doesn't need it and it just like folds out onto her body whenever she needs it so sure that so that happened in volume one is getting the suit also in volume one you find out that her dad is super sick and they think that it might be cancer Oh, no. But the doctors don't 100% know. But like as time goes on, he's getting it, it, like his body just hurts more and more. And yeah. um, and so it's just kind of dealing with the mortality of your parents kind of a thing, kind of a story. And then she comes across two of her previous baddies, um, one from the Civil War II uh, storyline. Her name is Becky. She goes by lockdown now, I think. Okay. Um, but basically she, Becky was deputized in the street level prison. Oh, that one. Yeah. She got, she got deputized to, to watch over the street level prison that they had in Jersey during okay. civil war two. Um, yeah. uh, because civil war two dealt with, if you know, there's an inhuman that came up that could tell the future. Right. And if you can tell the future, if you could, if you know, a crime is going to happen, do you act on preventing that crime? So um, as his powers grew more and more like this kid's going to go rob a store. This, um, this mm-hmm. person's going to try. Uh, it got to the point where this person's going to jaywalk. Let's lock them up. Oh, and um, okay. in specifically in Jersey and what Becky was doing. And so right. she let the power of running this little prison go to her head. And she be kind of that was ended up being her like origin story to being a bad girl. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so her and this other guy, uh, Josh, who's one of Kamala's friends, uh, ex-boyfriends, are both have both had their like bad paths set out for them. They show up and they start working for uh, this guy who apparently is called Monopoly. <laughs> um, Interesting. Very Steve Jobsy. <laughs> yeah, very. St- <laughs> <laughs> but he basically is mind controlling all the employees at his new company. Of course, his company is kind of it's called Rubicon. It kind of looks like a like an Amazon kind of company, tech company. Yeah. Maybe maybe closer to a Google because I don't think they're a delivery, sure. but like there's warehouses all over the place. They bought yeah. a town and everything is Rubicon and everything. Uh-huh. And you find out that he, whenever he touches people, they he like takes over their brain, and uh, so all of his employees are zombies that work oh. for him now. <laughs> nice. Um, it's funny because uh, G. Willow Wilson, the first writer on Ms. Marvel and uh, Kamala Khan's co-creator. Uh, she's also writing a, a space opera a, about a uh, resistance to a thinly veiled Amazon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> cool. It's like space Amazon versus space Islam. It's a lot of fun, actually. Hmm. And then, so Kamala in this volume has really upped her powers. Okay. Like um, previously- Because of the suit been... or just- so her, her, it uh, seems like control. it's because of the suit. Okay. 
but later on we see that she's just kind of doing it for herself so she's getting to be more and more like mr fantastic okay yeah uh, in the sense that previously it was just like she could stretch and make her limbs bigger and stuff yeah but that was about it mm-hmm. but now she's like making her fists into like hammers um, okay yeah and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but there's one thing she did which just made me chuckle while i was reading it is she wrapped her arm around two trees and made a slingshot <laughs> nice and she just launched becky through trees <laughs> to knock her out <laughs> with the slingshot it was amazing <laughs> that's awesome um and then this is the first time she wraps around this this other guy, uh, the ex-boyfriend in his yeah. suit, and starts crunching him to, to the point where their suit is starting to fall, to like to break. Damn. And they're like, come on, stop. You're going to kill him. She's like, wait, what happened? And then so he's like, oh, wait, so something's going on with the suit now. It's because yeah. she didn't know what she was doing. Oh. Yada, yada. And um, then so this is where Uncle Brett uh, shows his quote unquote true form and he declares himself as monopoly um (laughs) he he was he was a a negative z-list villain because he lasted all of like two pages well that's Um, how a lot of the villains in ms marvel go they're yeah they're they're meant to tell a story and prove a point not to be you know enshrined in in marvel canon but so now she's start, she's looking at her suit and being like, wait, what, what's going on? And then uh, she gets a text from Tony, from Tony Stark. And he's like, hey, I was looking at your dad's uh, files. I think I might be able to help. I have an idea. Mm. Call me back. Okay. She doesn't because her dad collapses in the living room. Ooh. And so they're all going to the hospital. They rush to the hospital to try to deal with that. So we were in the waiting room and then there's an explosion in the dining center of the hospital and it turns out to be uh, Mr. Hyde. And so oh. now she's going to go fight Mr. Hyde. God. And <laughs> yeah. And while she's doing that, sorry, Do- Tony and Dr. Strange show up before Mr. Hyde shows up, but uh, they're just like, Hey, well, how come you're ghosting me? What's going on with that? And, and, uh, and he's like, Hey, so I've been looking and it looks like, your dad has latent inhuman DNA. So that's where yeah. she got DNA from. Right. DNA. Um, likely what happened is when the Terrigen clouds went around after um, Infinity. Yep. The one, the same Terrigen clouds that unlocked the powers in Kamala uh, unlocked a disease in a handful of, of people. Oh. That uh, And this is not MPOX for mutants. This is just regular <laughs> disease um, of that, that some people with latent uh, inhuman DNA. Yeah. So they think that it can be removed. And so that's why Dr. Strange showed up because at this point, Dr. Strange is now the Surgeon Supreme. Oh, he's back on his bullshit. Yeah. So <laughs> that book is actually... A little bit down the line in my shelf okay. however a oh. bit ago i read the two volumes that introduced the idea that he basically tried this this spell that had like a two percent chance of succeeding mm. that would fix his hands oh so basically what it did was it, it the spell like deconstructed his hands and rebuilt them from the like at the cellular level and so there was a huge chance that it wasn't going to work obviously yeah, <laughs> um, uh, but it did and so he has his hands are completely steady again and that's what kept him from being a surgeon in the first right. place so that for me what raised this big question is he he was at one time one of the world's best surgeons and doctors right. 
He got in his accident and then he became, he went and studied magic and became Sorcerer Supreme. If he got his hands back, should he go back to being a doctor? And that's kind of the big question. It's a real trolley problem question there. Maybe when we have the uh, superhero ethics guys on, we yeah. can, uh, we can that, throw this I think that would be actually a good one. We should, we should, <laughs> we should talk to them about that. Yeah. So I do know that because the next St- Dr. Strange book is called Surgeon Supreme Volume mm-hmm. 1. I do know he at least tries to go back to it. So sure. that's what Dr. Strange is doing here because he can tell the difference between the regular DNA and the inhuman DNA or whatever. So point is, Doctor Strange is the only surgeon that can operate on Kamala's dad. So, okay. he's operating Kamala's dad. Hyde is causing destruction, and uh, Doctor Strange needs complete uh, peace so he can concentrate. And so she goes and deals with Hyde and starts chasing him down to a park and yada yada. While she's doing this, she knocks him out, and the suit starts acting again and starts making her punch harder and harder. He's already knocked out and it's and the suit's still going to the point where the suit's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to have to act on my own. And it separates from her and becomes this autonomous thing. Oh, suit of, suit of armor. As I'm reading this, I'm seeing Everyone one more parallels. Suit, right. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing more and more parallels between her and Spider-Man <laughs> and <laughs> the symbiote suit but you know it is what it is so uh, the suit is programmed by uh that has the frontier articles of the kree empire and it's basically it, it seems to be introduced as a if the wearer becomes incapacitated this ai can take over to finish the mission kind of thing yeah and the kree are way more okay with you know killing their threats and yeah. so the suit is trying the suit has established hide as the primary threat target and so it wants to kill it right and so now kamala is fighting herself slash her suit to uh protect hide and this is when i see kamala for the first time actually make her hand into a hammer sure i thought it was the suit the whole time but then she does it with uh... the suit and i was like oh well there you go yeah <laughs> sweet um yeah, so that, so that's pretty cool. And she just has, she used to, in her first series, she had to concentrate so much to like, you know, in big in or go small or all this, all that other kind of stuff. Sure. She has so much more power, control over her powers and it makes me so happy. Nice. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. I was also thinking writing Kamala must be a like budding artist's dream because none of her proportions need to be right (laughs) (laughs) i think that must be harder because you can't you have to like i feel like you have to have a a a sense of anatomy even like through the funhouse mirror i don't know yeah you probably i mean i'm not an artist to any degree right but like i'm looking at like you've got this where her arm just extends be into the background or then you've got you've got her running here or there's she has no knee she has no ankles right it's just it's just these swoops yeah <laughs> but and then her hands are giant and it's just like it's man pretty, you don't have you to get, get anything right you get to kind of have the the contemporary animation aesthetics of like adventure time with the with the noodle arms yeah, yeah, and have it make sense for her character. <laughs> exactly, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and then what? I, there's one thing that happened here. So she doesn't have her suit, so she's in her civvies, and um, 
she's running with Hyde to try to get him to the police station because the New Jersey police station has a new superhuman like lockup center. Okay. So he's still knocked out. She's trying to protect him from the suit. And while she's going, she's around the corner in an alley and she's holding Hyde. And then you hear off panel. It's like, oh my gosh, are those embiggened hands? Is that Miss Marvel? Because she's a she's a local hero now. Like yeah. she has grown to uh in New Jersey to the point where like the police support her. Like she has a social media following. Right. Like, people love Miss Marvel in New Jersey. She in makes Jersey New City, Jersey yeah. look good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> um. And so it's these two girls that are like hanging out and they're just like, oh my gosh, it's her. And she's like, wait, wait, I don't have my mask. I don't have my mask. So she like alters her face and makes it look really weird. And they're like, you're going to, well, okay, I'll show you. But um, like, <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't Kamala look good. <laughs> and and the girls are like, that was absolutely horrifying. You're going to scar children if they see you. So, um, so they give her their scarf and these giant shades that they were wearing. Yeah. And they're like, you're you're Miss Marvel, like here. Yeah. <laughs> um, it awesome. was so it's so it was so cool to see. And then like, so she's like, thank you so much. And the one girl's like, I'm totally breaking my social media fast to post about this. It's just like fun <laughs> little stuff like that. So yeah, um, she shows up at the police station and they're like, wait, are you Miss Marvel? <laughs> like, yes, it's me. <laughs> um <laughs> but uh, and so like they're just happy to work with her, and it's just it's so cool to see like the community, so many of her stories i'd say like a third of the stories that she has um involve the community like supporting her and yeah and backing her to some degree and it's just so fun to see so anyway so it ends with her um she gets hide out of the picture and fights the um the monster or the uh suit and while she's chasing the suit she gets a call from strange and is like hey your dad, your dad is, your dad's going to be okay. Um, I've removed the DNA should be good. Um, but, <laughs> uh, he needs a blood transfusion and you're the only one that has, you know, inhuman DNA, right. um, that, that can match his blood. So like, you need to get here. And, and she's like, yeah, but like the suit's about to go kill this guy. I'm going to take care of this and then I'll come back and help save my dad. And so, and she deals with it pretty damn quickly, uh, <laughs> gets back, gets the um, DNA to Strange, and she says, and then he'll be all better, right? And he says, I, uh, a lot of time passed before you arrived, the rate of cell death. I'm so sorry, but I'm afraid there's been permanent damage. I, don't, I won't know the extent until he wakes up. Oh. I'll let you know more the moment I'm done here. So by taking as long as she did, there's irreparable damage done to her Jeez. dad but yeah. he's gonna live right so it's like ah. so she's and gonna feel that yeah so she she is she feels so much guilt about yeah. it and and that's tough oh man and then um when she's chasing hide to the park this guy shows up he's like you all okay over here sounds like a girl was in trouble and then hide grabs her tosses her or uh tries to take him as a hostage she grabs hide and is like let him go and he says fine and he just throws him in the air and then so she catches him and he goes the guy goes guess i should have minded my own business where'd that monster did go she so it's gone but he should be easy to find and hey thanks for not just minding your business jersey city needs more people who help and cool. it's just like yeah she just takes that like quick little second just be like don't regret your actions that was you did yeah. good um, that's awesome that's really yeah cool. 
And that's just, that's so very Kamala slash yeah. Peter Parker because he's amazing. Um, <laughs> so it was, so it like, it had a lot of really good moments. Um, and as time goes on, we're just getting more and more like Spider-Man, but um, uh, it ended with the suit exploding. And so the two big things in Kamala's life that were introduced in volume one were yeah. the new suit right. and her dad being sick. And then right. in volume two, they got rid of the new suit and her dad is no longer sick. <laughs> and it just, it felt like it, it like was almost moving through storylines quickly, really quickly. But then it, w- it was almost just kind of like, I appreciate you telling the story, but like, if you're not going to leave her anything to come out of your time on the story with like, what, I don't know. It was, it was kind of bothersome. Although he did, they did bring her and Bruno back together because they had a falling out and they were trying to make, figure things out. But like, that's the only thing that kind of came out of it is she was able to profess her love to, to Bruno, which has already had already been a thing. And then they fell apart. Right. And then now it's like, it's, it, it felt very much like a standalone two volume thing, but I wanted more from it because it's Miss Marvel. Right. Well, I don't know. we'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes. It was like, again, it, it had all of the, it hit all of the like check boxes for like a Miss Marvel story. For, yeah. <laughs> um, so it, it stayed within character. It, just, it was just weird that like they introduced these new things but then they're like well we'll take them away though right <laughs> both there's both one there's a big kamala khan introduction and there's a big miss marvel introduction and they took both they solved both right the end of it it felt like iron man 3 <laughs> like a big all season finale yeah, yeah but just like so many people loved iron man 3 cuz there's a lot to like about iron man 3 i like the iron man 3 but what my problem with Iron Man 3 was the the climax and the epilogue. Yeah. See, I think maybe maybe we'll get to this if we have time at the end of the episode, because this kind of tr- strays into my a, a theory that I've been kicking around lately about continuity. Okay. Which is that it doesn't exist. Anyway. Oh, yeah. That's, that's going to be a talk. Okay. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> Last thing I read that I really liked was uh, Daredevil. It's interesting. And I think this really kind of plays into your whole continuity thing because uh, Zdarsky's run of, Z- of Daredevil, this oh. is the third volume. Matt can't be Daredevil anymore. Okay. Like Zdarsky inherited a Daredevil that got hit by a, a truck. Oh, yikes. And his body had so much damage from all of the built up bone breaks and this, that, yeah. and the other thing that like he was bedridden for weeks. Yeah. And Yikes. he just physically cannot be Daredevil anymore. Sure. So he decides, fine, I'm not going to be Daredevil anymore. But then in Hell's Kitchen, people wearing like a Daredevil Halloween costume are showing up more and more oh. to go and fight for Hell's Kitchen because oh, he's not there anymore. Oh, that's cool. So it's really cool that he's become this like icon. Yeah. Um, but like there's stuff going on with the police where basically the police have been told to not go into Hell's Kitchen anymore. Hmm. And so it's basically a drug gang playground. <laughs> I'm so excited to to for you to visit 
uh, New York, so you can see what Hell's Kitchen is is actually like today. Yes, I really want to, man. <laughs> Nothing like that. <laughs> and so there's a bunch of story points in there, but it basically it focuses on there's the gang war. So ever since Kingpin became the mayor of New York City, uh, <laughs> everything that he ran, all of his territories are yeah. free reign. Sure. And so there's three main gangs that are vying for territory right now. Okay. Um, Owlsley, the owl, Leland Owlsley, Hammerhead, and this person's name is Izzy. I forget her last name, but she's, she seems like a new player. Like her, her family seems that they have history, but she's new to comics. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Kind of thing. You know, they're very much the old ways, you know, you respect each other's territory and everyone gets their payday. Uh, since Kingpin's gone, the owl's like, well, I'm just going to take it off. Right. And so there's there's a whole bunch of gang wars about that. Then, so there's telling this gang war story. There's telling this police story where we have this transplant from Georgia who's a new detective. That is everything, everything is by the book. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't like superheroes because they are above the law. Yeah. That's where he and Daredevil butt heads. Yeah. And then we have Kingpin's story. Sorry, Wilson Fisk's story. (laughs) Mayor Fisk. He gets invited to a lunch with the rich people of New York. The point oh 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 one percenters. Right. Yeah. Um he finally gets invited to the table because he's the mayor. Right. And there's like seven players there. And there's one guy who won't stop poking fun at Wilson. Just uh-huh. being like, oh, whatever. You're just some big guy. Like, I hope, I hope the chair can hold you up. Um, huh. You're just a, you're just a pretender here. You're like a thug here. What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. Right. It's a very interesting, like power conversation. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah. And just around the dining table, they're basically letting Wilson know that he doesn't know what he's, he's in over his head. Right. Sure. He's still a gangster that just kind of, he's not his way. There's his power and then there's their power. It, it exactly. operates on a different like scale and spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I, I, that's a really cool. Yeah. yeah. He gets up to go to the restroom. He's kind of just, he's like, okay, we're good. I'm Wilson Fisk. I am the mayor of New York City. Yeah. Got this. Yeah. Get back out there. Show them who you are. And then what's his face? The guy that's been giving them all this crap shows up right outside the bathroom door. And he's like, he's like, I'm uh, assuming there's still a working toilet in there. <laughs> oh. Kind of just like giving them all this stuff. And then mid sentence, Fisk just grabs <laughs> his face, drags him in and just goes to town on him. Um <laughs> Oh yeah. god. Yeah. So brutal. when you see this brutal of a scene, yeah. usually it's written off as that's what he wanted to do in his head. Right. And then you turn the page and it's back to where it was. Um, right. And you're just like, nope. okay, so how is he actually going to deal with it? Nope, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, oh my gosh. And so he could dude, so he has this guy, uh Wesley, it's his right hand man. Yeah who um, is all is the move maker. And yeah. this is the first time we actually get to see him work. Oh, um, cool. He calls Wesley, who's been sitting outside with the driver. Yeah. And he's like, Wesley, I fucked up. Help. Uh-huh. And like, you actually see like Wilson falling apart a little bit. Cool. Because kind, like- Kind of more like the Netflix Daredevil uh, portrayal of, of Wilson Fisk, where 
a much more sort of human and mm-hmm. emotional mm-hmm. character. Yeah, like it's clear that the mayor game that he's trying to play, he doesn't know how to play it. Yeah. He did not grow up in politics. He grew up in games. There are two very different games. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) And and it's it's just so apparent. And and then you spend like half the issue seeing Wesley take care of it. And Mm. He just, he immediately knows what to do. He immediately knows who to call. It's insane. And I'm so scared of Wesley. (laughs) 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 But (laughs) So they got it to be labeled as a suicide. Oh. And all this other ridiculousness. But point is, the hosts of this whole party, who are arguably the top, the most rich. Yeah. um, They own, like, the media, the government. Right. Uh, like police. you do. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've like, got so real life. everything. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just the, these two, they're, they're, um, they're twins. Okay. Um, and they invite Fisk to the tower. Not, they don't invite, they tell him to come up. <laughs> so he comes to their office and they're like, thank you. I know you must be quite busy. Fisk <laughs> is like, I have all the time in the world for new friends. So he's like, this is my chance to like, yeah make sure I'm doing this right. And they're just like, now listen, you killed Tyrone. (laughs) (laughs) And so Wilson's just like, this is play this right, play this right, play this right. So he says, I did. I lost, you know, I apologize. I lost control of myself. And I know he was your friend. I'm sorry. And they're like, oh no, he had it coming. The only problem we have is you did it in our house without our permission. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you're just like, what? <laughs> uh, and so they organized these protesters to get in the way of. So Fisk was Fisk bought a bunch of land to grow some marijuana mm-hmm. to make money off of that because it got legalized, yada, yada. And they sent the protesters to get in the way to hit them where it hurt to make a point, basically. So they said it was doing it in our home. It was doing it without permission. It was doing it in such a way that police walked our halls asking questions. That's why you're being punished. (laughs) And he said, the protesters. And they're like, the protesters. You bought land for your little marijuana operation and we're shutting that down. That was the brother and the sister says, that's how we punish people by denying them wealth and power. And it usually works, but you right, will because because all protesters are astroturfed. We're all actually paid by by rich people. No, no, nobody has actual genuine, you know, opinions or the ability to self organize. Nope. it's not real. Of course not. Yeah, I don't. There's, the protesters aren't real. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> but um, uh, by by denying uh, that part, <laughs> and it usually works. But you, Wilson, you are a different sort, aren't you? You need a stronger touch. And then they bring in these three guys in exosuits. Oh, and um, oh. he looks at them and he's like, "I'm the mayor of New York City. Whatever you're intending here, it is a mistake. I'm not the man you think I am. I have been for some time." And they and the two of them are just drinking their cocktails, and they're just like, "Yes, of you course. are. Yes, you are." <laughs> yeah, and so. He starts to fight them. He gets destroyed. Damn. Um, And then it ends with them saying, you know, Wilson, we do like you. We think you're, (laughs) we we had you here to to make a point. You understand order, a hierarchy, but we also understand how hard it must be to discover you're nowhere near the top. (laughs) So this isn't us telling you, this isn't us telling you that you work for us now or that when we say jump, you say how high. 
no, that's just rude. And frankly, we don't need you. <laughs> but but we do actually like you, Wilson. So much so that we've already called the paramedics. Get well soon. And they <laughs> throw him out the window. Out of like the fifth story window of their like, office building. Holy crap. And when he lands, the uh, paramedics are already there. That and is awesome. That is the most insane power play I've, I've seen in comics in quite some time. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I'm super into this. Yeah, but it ends with Matt. Matt has to go about things differently. He's not dressed as Daredevil anymore. He's back in the all black. Okay. And instead of going in swinging, he's listening. He's finding intel. He's using his senses in a different way now. In yeah. sense of just like he's always he's always listened, but that's all he's doing now to sure. get the information he needs. So yeah. he finds out that the chief of police answers to the governor of New York. Oh, and since he's so bad at fighting now, Electra uh, offers to train him. She's like, "You suck at this, by the way." Um, <laughs> And so Electra and Daredevil go and storm the governor. And while they're getting away, um, Matt drives because of his radar sense. <laughs> oh, wow. Mind blowing. That's hilarious. <laughs> and that's my takeaway from that. <laughs> um, and then uh, Electra is so excited by the chase that she decides to sleep with him on top of the car in the of middle of the bushes. And that's how it ends. But. Um, it was so very amazing. I liked Wilson's story way more than I liked Matt's story. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like it. Yeah. And I, I really want to see where that goes. I, I like the Wilson as, as the mayor is very interesting. That is very interesting. And I also like Wilson Fisk as a primary character in a Daredevil story. Uh, yeah. I guess really the, the, the Netflix series kind of did it really well, but just giving a lot of time to a, a good portrayal of Wilson Fisk. It makes for a very, very fun watch or read. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's fun. Like he's as main character as he has in their monologue boxes now. Yeah. He's, like he that's how you know that they're going to spend time on it. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was, it's a lot of fun. Um, Sweet. I care less about the gang war stuff, but sure. I, it's, it's necessary because they want to give they want to give hell's kitchen like a character arc i think yeah um and that's so, another important character in yeah. uh in daredevil yeah, yeah for the street level villain or street, street level heroes yeah um their neighborhood is very much part of their story totally. yep um and so the gang wars and then like the daredevil impersonators that's all yeah just part of that cool yeah, so the first thing that I read was an arc on Uncanny X-Men. I remember this cover. Yeah. I think I have this issue. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Remember a few weeks ago, I was uh, I was talking about the Imperial Guard miniseries where mm-hmm. they come to Earth because after Onslaught, all the heroes are dead. And they're like, right. oh, you know, Earth needs some help. Why don't you go and hang out? And then while they're there, they're like, oh, crap, there's this huge, you know, problem going on in Shi'ar Imperium. We're getting, like, literally destroyed. Don't come home. It's cool. (laughs) Because this is just a a very awkward way, I think, for editorial to to get 
some of the X-Men off of Earth in, in preparation for Operation Zero Tolerance and why the while the meat of Operation Zero Tolerance was going on. So the X-Men team that went a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about the mission in Hong Kong with Shang-Chi and Shaw and Kingpin. Uh, so that was Cyclops, Jean Grey, Wolverine, and Storm. Oh, I think Cannonball might have been with them. Uh, and then there's another group of, of Beast, Gambit, Rogue, Joseph, and Bishop that they're all hanging out in Rockefeller Square during Christmas, ice skating and having a good time. And then and then Gladiator shows up. And this was sort of an aside in the middle of the Imperial Guard stories is Guard, uh, Gladiator's like, I'm going to go, you know, get the X-Men and have them help uh, with this problem in Shi'ar space. You know, in typical comics fashion, they just start punching each other first instead of actually addressing the problem. And so there's this big old knockdown drag out fight between Gladiator and Cannonball. And Cannonball is just getting wrecked because it's Gladiator. But eventually he's like, you know what, I'm going to try something here. And he's like, I know that Gladiator's powers work on confidence. So if I kind of throw him a curveball, I can start to get the upper hand. And he actually ends up beating Gladiator in the fight. But then they're like, oh, but hey, we actually shouldn't have been fighting this whole time. This is really silly. We need you to go out to Shi'ar space. And so he uh, teleports them all out to... I have that issue too. I just know... I've, oh, sorry. I, I recognize those uh, these uh, covers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All this uh, Joe Maggiore art, real classic stuff. So they're out in the middle of Shi'ar space and they they find Deathbird near a coma and Deathbird's the only survivor. They pull her out and they're like, okay, now we have to go and fight, uh, you know, fight the, the phalanx that are on their way towards the, the Shi'ar, you know, sort of thrown worlds and destroying the, the entire Imperium. There's a ongoing subplot with Gambit and Rogue and Joseph where Joseph, like, he's like, hey, I think I can, you know, do a little magnet trick and turn your powers off so that we can touch. And Rogue's like, uh, that's cool. I still love Gambit. <laughs> so anyway, it turns out that the phalanx is the, the big bad in this story. And it's interesting timing to me because this is sort of the second of only four appearances of only four like major appearances for the phalanx as vil as major villains and you're very familiar with the third and fourth mm. so the the phalanx uh, and and perfectly timed especially because we're you know we're reading dawn of x right now and the the whole setup for house of x powers of 10 is we know that the phalanx is sort of the inevitable future state case for the destruction of mutant kind and humanity together in the far right. future is sort of humanity accepts uh, being assimilated by the mm -hmm. phalanx and then they um, uh, attack mutants as sort of this unassimilatable aberration you mutants represent life and humans come to represent machine logic death etc so in sort of the parallel reading of that 
thought this was very well timed because this was the first appearance of the the phalanx pure mm-hmm. um which is the sort of intergalactic phalanx where they're all like black and spider eyes and and the weird little light glowing lights on their chests and stuff the first appearance of the phalanx we're led to believe that they are descended from the technarchy aka warlock's race yes right warlock comes to earth escaping his father magus and he's this techno organic being and they defeat magus warlock spends a long time hanging out with the new mutants he's eventually killed during extinction agenda in genosha but some aspect of his uh techno organic being uh combines with cameron hodge who has a lot of shit going on cameron hodge was part of inferno and made a deal with the demon sim and nister to have eternal life and then got this like techno organic body and then and he was the the main villain of extinction agenda and so when warlock died during extinction agenda and his ashes were in genosha they kind of you know melded with hodge and we're led to believe that that was sort of the birth of the phalanx was the 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 technarchy techno organics merged with and being controlled by a sort of evil mastermind in hodge that ended up not being true that the phalanx are the primary race and the technarchy are basically harvesters of civilizations created by the phalanx. And so the phalanx had a big crossover, right? The phalanx covenant in 1994, it was after fatal attractions and before age of apocalypse. And it was, you know, they were Hodge was ascendant and they were trying to assimilate all of humanity and they were building their babel spire to you know once they were finished with earth to transmit back to the technarchy and continue in outer space their mission to assimilate all of organic life in the universe well anyway they didn't know it but they were offshoots of the the phalanx pure intergalactically and this little four-issue arc was the only appearance of the Phalanx Pure before Annihilation Conquest. They were not wow. used at all wow. between then. Yeah. Huh. Someone yeah. dug deep for that. I know, right? And then <laughs> turned them into a very major and very terrifying villain. Yeah, seriously. Uh, but yeah, so so that was cool to kind of get the sort of missing uh, link in there uh, as far as the... Because I always was was very confused about when when about annihilation conquest because i knew the phalanx as this really local earth threat from uh, from the the phalanx covenant storyline and i i didn't know sort of the in between anyway they win <laughs> against the phalanx on this really anticlimactic deus ex machina beast is like hey i, I did a programming thing and it's gonna break them all uh, I just need like five minutes. And Joseph's like, I'm too angry. I have to blow our cover. <laughs> and cool. then they have a big fight because, you know, that's the fun thing to show. And then they don't actually win the fight. They just, you know, fight for a while. And then Beast's thing happens. <laughs> it's like, okay, it's over now. We won. We <sighs> saved the entire Imperium. So that was the, yeah. So the Phalanx and the backstory, that was one interesting thing about 
this arc. The other was Deathbird. Uh, I'd always kind of found Deathbird as a kind of annoying character before because she, so many appearances, she's just so generically evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, come on. But in, in this and also in, in the Dawn of X New Mutant series, there's a, a fun to her, just outrageous sort of uh, arrogance and just how superior she feels because she's a Shi'ar royal. Mm. And, and that that's sort of her motivation, her source of villainy. It's, it's literally just that she's powerful, not that it, you know. Influential. Influential, personally powerful. Like she has more of the sort of avian traits than most Shi'ar. Mm-hmm. And so she can, you know, fly and she has claws and stuff like that. So she's got this sort of like personal superpower, but also, you know, yeah, this very deep institutional power. And that is sort of the source of why she's so stuck up and evil. So that was cool. Anyway, the next thing that I read was it was a short arc on Wolverine. And this is more just Larry Hama having a good time. He has Logan going to, uh, he gets a, he gets an apartment uh, over on the, in the East Village, which is another one of those things where it's like, man, that's not, what, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's kind of <laughs> written as this rough and tumble place. And it's like, <laughs> you're kidding me, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he befriends all, all of these like, street characters and uh just sort of everyday folks in in the east village in his in and around his building and on sort of a construction site where he gets some work as he's trying to clear his head or he's he's finally gotten past the point of this is the main thing going on so after the whole you know he loses his animantium and he leaves the team. He's like, I, I'm just not up to snuff. I'm not powerful enough to be part of the X-Men anymore. Like my healing factor is shot because it's spent, it, it, it just burned itself out trying to heal me from literally losing my bones. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so he does that for a while. And then when he gets kidnapped by, by Genesis, by Tyler Cable's son, uh, who has his weird apocalypse resurrection plans and kidnaps and kills cyber to harvest that his adamantium skin to turn it into replacement adamantium bones for wolverine and so he did the whole bonding procedure uh wolverine rejected it the the trauma of it left him in a feral state that's when he lost his nose for a little while <laughs> in the way that they drew him well with his, the, little, with his bandana yeah the bandana over his head so he went feral for a while and there was a, a another long like sort of arc or stretch of him just being like, I've got to like strip everything down. I've got to sort of get away from the world and, you know, kind of be the animal, but refine the man and, and just sort of like be apart for a while. And mm-hmm. he's finally at the point where he's like, no, in order to, I have to like build myself again. Like it's not about subtraction. It's about addition. I have to be in the world and around people. And so that's why he goes and gets this apartment. And there's a a weird, you know, because it's a superhero comic, there's a weird sort of plot going on with uh, a MacGuffin, uh, this weird little (laughs) box 
that uh, that an agent of Landau, Luckman, and Lake gave him, and they're just wandering around doing weird shit and messing with both him and Deadpool these days. So uh, who knows what it is? They never explain it. They never try. But it seems to have some connection to Ogun. Mm. Uh, yeah, I feel Ogun is a, a weird character because he he never really seems to, at least in the things that I've read, he never really, so Ogun is, was a, a sort of a Japanese warrior master sensei type who trained Wolverine like way, way back in the day and kind of like turned into a disembodied demon spirit. Yeah. Like one does. Wolverine had to kill his corporeal form. What to do. Right. And turned into this mm-hmm. disembodied demon spirit who's just been kind of like, I wouldn't even say plaguing or, or being Wolverine's nemesis just kind of annoying him like he yeah. shows up every few issues in this run of of Wolverine well and like is like oh it's his mask this time oh it's his box oh it's this th-. and it's just like come on dude like get it together <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're just so like uh you're you're just not worth the time ever but you just keep popping up it's not played that way you know, in continuity, it, every issue is like, oh man, this is a big deal. And it's like, no, it's not. Like you, you you deal with this guy like within an issue or two and he doesn't threaten anything. But another cool thing about Ogun was that he he trained Kitty Pride. He he kidnapped Kitty Pride, brainwashed her, trained her in ninjutsu in like one of Kitty Pride's first big actually and Wolverine. It, it was their both of their first miniseries. It was Kitty Pride and Wolverine. Mm. Uh, Wolverine might have had a miniseries before that. But anyway, so yeah, that was interesting tidbit about Ogun. <laughs> That's all for Wolverine, just what it was. He, yeah, he he possessed a mime slash juggler. Wolverine might be having a new romantic interest here with the, sort of the four-person, four-woman on his uh, the construction site that he's working on. Oh, there was one other cool thing. They did, uh, Wizard Magazine did a 0.5 issue of wolverine which was uh included in my pack and it was just a a conversation between a a, a purely psychic conversation between logan and cable in a bar like during closing time the bartender is like you guys just gonna sit there and stare at each other and not say anything you guys are (laughs) weird i'm closing down the bar i'm just gonna leave you in it whatever wow (laughs) And they have a full conversation about Tyler and the fact that Wolverine killed him. And Wolverine ends up saying like, yeah, I had to kill him. I, I, I can't say I regret it. It had to happen. It was straightforward. There was no other way to do it. There was no other way about it. The only thing that I can say is I'm sorry. Hmm. That was cool. Anyway, uh, next thing I read was a Beast limited series. Wasn't really about the Beast at all. So he he leaves the the bar that they like to drink at in Salem Center, Harry's Hideaway, and gets possessed by Karma, who hasn't shown up for a, quite a while um, and hasn't been a, a regular member of any team since oh, like maybe ten years, more than that. She was a you know founding member of the New Mutants, left relatively quickly came back briefly and then left again uh and her whole story arc this whole time has been that her kid brother and sister 
uh, Leong and Nga, and I'm sure I'm sure I'm absolutely butchering this Vietnamese <laughs> pronunciations. I'm so sorry. Her her kid siblings uh, have been missing literally for well over a decade in real time, like since her since since she was very first published, and it was just like yeah, it, it was just one of those dangling plot lines where it's like we don't know what we're supposed to do with this. Uh, <laughs> they wrote her out of New Mutants to go look for them, and then they never went back wow. to her to publish her finding them. And finally, they're like, "It's 1997. We got it. We got to cross this off. Let's bring so, her back." Yeah. So, so that's all this this was. the The kids get aged up and given powers, which I found kind of annoying and lazy. Like, just in case they want to use them as characters later. Spoiler alert, they're never used as characters later. It's just a <laughs> complete way to ignore Karma as a character for a very, very long time. So, yeah, <laughs> really don't have any more to say about that. It, oh, one other thing. It, it kind of pulls, it, it's the first like real look at Spiral uh, and like what she does when she's not fighting the X-Men that I've ever seen. Because Spiral uh-huh. just shows up in the weirdest places. She was part of Mojoverse and then... She joined Mystique's Brotherhood. And it's like, what? What are you doing there? Um, And she had this connection with the Mandarin and Matsuo. It was her sort of body shop chicanery that swapped bodies with Psylocke, Psylocke and Quanin. And then she was, um, and then she's had this sort of association with Viper a few times. And again, here, it's like, where is the combining thread? Like, what do you want? <laughs> What's your motivation? <laughs> why are you Why are you doing any of this? And it turns out it's just because she likes to fuck with people's bodies. She's just a real pervert about the whole thing, <laughs> and she she takes people on as clients, like like Viper. Viper is in this for revenge against General Koi, Karma's uncle, and goes after the the kid siblings uh, for retribution. Uh, for some criminal underground thing that happened X and Y time ago. And yeah, that's the whole story. Didn't really have an interesting climax or finish. It just sort of happened, but that's pretty much all you can expect from, uh, I'm going to say something controversial, but probably most superhero stories. I feel like they're really written about the thing that happens next, not the thing that happens in the story. So yeah, The last thing that I read this week was a quick arc on X-Man where he kind of joins up with Havoc's Brotherhood. I kind of talked a little bit about Havoc last, I don't know, one of these episodes ago, might have been last week, where he's kind of setting out to be his own person and have his own interpretation on how to do mutant stuff and, and his own direction and you know, they're, they're trying to make something of the fact that he uh, has been brainwashed so many times into being a villain or has been a villain in all these alternate reality stories. And so they're just trying to kind of put a, uh, a reason or, or some actual character devi- development behind it, which I, I don't think it's, like I said before, I don't think it's going to go well, but at least they're trying it. Although, honestly, I think the best use of Havoc is as somebody who doesn't want to be a superhero at all, just wants to be a geology grad student and go look at rocks. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just like, oh, but I have these powers and I keep avoid- absorbing 
you know, cosmic energy and I have to let it out and this sucks. And like, I just have to blast things sometimes. So annoying, whatever. But no, he is a Summers. And so they have to keep publishing him anyway. So I'm, yeah, the more I read about his brotherhood, the less impressed I am with the actual execution because it's so his, his own words, he's got a quote in here. That's something like I'm working for, peace between mutants and humans but you know i can't do it xavier's way we need to be unbound by any sort of like rules and morals we have to you know or or not afraid to cross lines to do it we have to be more proactive and more forceful and it's like this is exactly what x-force is <laughs> like to the word this is this is what x-force is and why cable started x-force and and like so what the hell it's just like the only difference is that like Editorial decided that Havoc is a redeemable bad guy and uh, <laughs> and that X-Force are like gritty anti-heroes. Right. And, and, <laughs> and that's it. That's the only difference. There's no, just no, it, it, there's just, it's like when you're like, you know, million shades of gray start blending into each other on that level, like, you're you're just not doing a very good job differentiating anything. Um, <laughs> can I can I just say so I've been looking at this screen share picture yeah. while you've been talking. That train is the most 90s X-Men villain train <laughs> I have ever seen. <laughs> it's so true. Like, oh man, I'm gonna that looks like... a picture of this in the Facebook group. You're so right. <laughs> that looks like something straight out of one of the SNES X-Men games. Yeah. <laughs> like that's the mini boss. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Just like too many, like why are there tubes everywhere? Like why, yeah. why is everything like, why a, is it a sectioned different, so you can yeah, see some of the sectional components? Yeah. It's behind like, it. it's like, <laughs> oh man, it, it's, it's like the, the, the see-through, like controller or cordless phone. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but so dude, no, there's there's like unbelievable there was, 90s there's aesthetics. A, there's a group of baddies that have that same kind of armor, that like green armor. You're kidding me. Oh They're, man. Right? Yeah, um, yeah. And no, it was uh, it was like the Age of Apocalypse prelates. Maybe it was the prelates. But like I I swear in that X-Men game that we used to play. Oh, the the Genosha, um, the Genosian uh, magistrates there too. Yeah, when like uh, the the gambit level, you could yeah. get on the on you could poke people with your stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> X Men Mutant Apocalypse. That was a that was a game right yeah. there. Yeah, that that looks like it looks like those baddies is method of transport. Yeah. <laughs> also nineties. It's it, so, so it, it starts with something is broken inside. Alex. It ends with something is breaking inside Nate Gray. Okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> really, really got symmetry some. is beautiful. So, yeah, there's a writer here who's really feeling himself. <laughs> so yeah, Nate Gray has had this sort of like thing against the X Men that seems purely editorial driven and not character driven at all. He keeps saying like, "Oh, they're so high and mighty." even though like they've teamed up and he's sa they've saved his life like five times already. 
in like <laughs> 27 issues of X-Men. It's just like, oh, I, I don't want to be another one of Xavier's tin soldiers. I'm going to have too much 90s angst for that. It, whatever. It's it, They just editorial just wants to, to keep him off the X-Men and sell his own book. And that's really all there is to it, in my opinion. So yeah, he, he hangs out with the Brotherhood. The Brotherhood stops that 90s train, presumably in order to get Aurora off of it, because she is being transported by Department H, who is the shady Canadian government organization that ran Alpha Flight for a time. And then Alpha Flight was like, you're shady <laughs> and, <laughs> and did their own thing. And, but just has a, a general interest in uh, Canadian superhuman affairs, separate from Weapon X, which sure. But uh, yeah, so Aurora, they're, they're supposed to be taking Aurora to some other place and the Brotherhood, you know, hijacks the train, presumably to get Aurora, but really it's to steal a bunch of poison gas. Meanwhile, uh, Nate Gray, X-Man, is having troubles with his powers. His, um, his telekinesis has kind of burnt itself out, uh, supposedly. And unbeknownst to him, Dark Beast, who's a member of the Brotherhood, a member of the Brotherhood unbeknownst to him, Dark Beast makes, you know, some sort of device that is slowly building his powers back up again. And when he realizes that it's Dark Beast, he's like, oh, man, no, the, the Brotherhood really is bad. Shoot, this isn't this is no good. I gotta I gotta get out of here and discovers all of the poison gas that the Brotherhood uh, stole and basically blows it all up and inhales it all so that it doesn't hurt anybody. And then his powers like sort of flash back on and he builds himself back up and has his powers again. That's it. Okay. That's what's up with X-Man. It's really all I have to say. He's got this sort of, you know, out of body experience as he's laying, dying, talking to himself, you know, like sort of an astral form of himself talking to Age of Apocalypse Forge, talking to Madeline Pryor, talking to Threnody, uh, that are all just sort of figments of imagination that are pushing him back towards life. And then he ends up back in Washington Square Park in New York, where he was doing this sort of like freelance miracle making. And then a bunch of women with outrageous 90s comics boobage uh, capture him and they're holding knives. That's the end of the arc. <laughs> So we'll see what happens next. Oh, and maybe Threnody's back. While uh, Nate was dying, a bunch of weird shit was going on in the morgue where her body was being kept after she was killed by Madeline Pryor. So, you know, knowing how Threnody's powers work, maybe some of the death energy of Nate Gray combined with how close they were sort of kickstarted her powers. And so, yeah, that's it for comics for me. I think we went a little over so we, we can save the conversation topic for next week and just post uh post what we've got here anything else that you want to say to to wrap it up any any anything that you any questions you have for me on x-man or the beast series or wolverine or the uncanny arc with the phalanx it's more like for me i feel like i feel like x-man is too powerful to tell a good story <laughs> yeah like, like i i like the idea of x-man you know because like cable's story so much about cable's identity now um 
revolves around like him also fighting his techno organic virus right as yeah at this time in uh in publication history in 1997 that was a huge part of it yeah and so taking that idea and you already have established alternate universes what if you had a cable that didn't have to worry about that right you know he didn't have to use x percent of his telekinesis to hold a virus at bay and i feel like that is a good story to tell as a what if or 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 (laughs) you just tell it in x-man's like four issue arc in age of apocalypse and you're like cool we answered that that question right because like my favorite reference for x-man is always that kind of approach but within 616 he comes back because previously he had died in some way yeah or he decided to spirit himself away right and then he shows up with this new idea finds out it doesn't work you're talking about when he returns in new mutants or in age of x-men slash x-men disassembled right yes both of those okay yeah (laughs) both of those times like He's just like, hey, I'm here. I have an idea on how to save mutantdom. And and then story happens and you're like, that didn't work. And you're like, yeah, my bad. And then he leaves. So like, yeah, it's just the personality and mindset that they've created for Nate Gray is too grandiose to let him just hang out. Totally. Yeah, you can't. I I don't know if there's ever been a good X-Men story. And I feel like part of the problem with with having comics published this way is that eventually you're going to get to a point where it's like well what you know like i can see editorial or or a creator's meeting happening and and everybody's sitting around and be like what are we going to do for the coming year of x-men it's like well let's see we could do a hellfire club story oh we just did one okay well what about magneto oh he's he's you know doing this right now he's accounted for okay apocalypse no and it's like okay now we go down the line where are the marauders at where the, you know we just did marauder. okay where are the you know acolytes at no no okay um x-man hey you guys remember <laughs> and it's X-Man? just like yeah and it's just like you, you, you stop it like there's, <laughs> there's no there's nothing you you can you can dig this well as deep as you want you're not going to find any fresh water down there like there's you're just you're just digging a bigger and bigger hole like if you just ignore something that's bad and just let it die and go away like there's a reason why moses magnum isn't a character anymore there's a real deep cut from claremont's run or like the (laughs) mutant master or uh you know all of these just like just crappy characters just let them go and we can forget about them in peace god forbid you only publish nine titles right now instead of 11 <laughs> you know yeah. just just yeah. just just limit it to the good stuff and no they they we're we'll buy them all and so if i know it's because of people publish, like you and me <laughs> well i'm not buying any of it i'm, I'm no, stealing all this shit so <laughs> it's because of people like me you'll read yeah them. yeah uh they you know they'll they'll perfectly saturate whatever market there is regardless of if they have enough ideas to fill it and it's annoying yeah yeah at least these days they don't tend to go more than two volumes the ones that yeah. don't fit and then they right. can just be forgotten about for x years right whereas x-man volume one got 
75 plus issues <laughs> just an abomination that's so ridiculous like i'm uh, i am curious to try and you know eventually i'm gonna read through it all because fuck me that's what i do and <laughs> You know, there is a part of me that's curious. It's like, will they ever find anything interesting to do with this character? Like the most, so far, the most interesting things that they've done in this title have been despite him and has been just sort of like this exploration of Threnody or of Madeline Pryor's return. So yeah, who knows? Mm -hmm. I am skeptical, but again, fuck me. I'll read it anyway. So (laughs) who's the sucker now? (laughs) Yeah. So um, next week... I have Venom, I have a Yondu story. Oh, cool. I've got, I think, Iron Man. Got some interesting stuff. So we'll see how it goes. Awesome. I have an arc of Incredible Hulk that Wolverine and Kazar are cameoing in. And then just sort of a grab bag of different titles, some X-Force, some X-Men, and so on. And then I've got some Deadpool and some Wolverine specials. So that might be my full uh, plate for the next week. Cool. Sweet. All right, man. All right. Great talking to you, dude. That was fun. Yeah. Good catching up. Absolutely. I think uh, we'll put the outro music <laughs> here. Ah, there we go. Make me wait for it. Man. <laughs> All the good things. <laughs> All right, man. Horrible, guys.